0: Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Mesa Christian Church. Isaiah 935 says, Jesus walked throughout the region with the joyful message of God's kingdom realm. He taught in their meeting houses and wherever he went, he demonstrated God's power by healing every kind of disease and illness. Boy, it must have been amazing when Jesus walked into town, when Jesus came into people's houses, everything shifted. Darkness was shaken. Lives were healed and set free. But do you know the amazing thing? The Holy Spirit carries the same presence of Jesus today, and that's what happens in church and in our lives every day. When he saw the vast crowds of people, there was probably tens of thousands of people milling around him, Jesus' heart was deeply moved with compassion because they seemed weary and helpless like wandering sheep without a shepherd, he turned to his disciples and said, "The harvest is huge and ripe, but there are not enough harvesters to bring it all in. As you go, plead with the owner of the harvest to thrust out many more reapers to harvest his grain." Wow! So Jesus saw the crowds, he saw the needs, and he realized that he was only one on the earth for three and a half years of ministry to to. Who knows how many tens of thousands of people were healed and set free while he was here. But he realized that the harvest was huge. He says, God, send out thousands more. Send out hundreds of thousands of more all over the world. And so that's why the church has arisen and there's thousands in this city that are bringing the good news to the 60,000 plus in our community. But I believe that God wants to stir our hearts, say, hey, am I in the harvest field? Am I reaching out? I believe with the darkness and the confusion that's around in our society, people are more open to the gospel than ever before. We've, uh, uh, Pastor Peter and I uh, saw a little while ago the opportunity to uh, connect with people through our You Can Recycle system where people get 10 cents uh, for their bottles or cans. So we signed up and said, we'll be a depot. And so... The first day on the 1st of November, there were supposed to be five other depots in town. They weren't set up, so everyone came to us. So the last three weeks, we've had hundreds of new people coming to our door, dropping off their bottles and cans. They got a register online, then they come and get a sticker here. So we've had opportunity to talk to so many people, and most of them never knew we existed until this last three weeks. And so we've had hundreds of people found out about our church through collecting rubbish, God will use anything to touch people's hearts. And we've had the amazing joy of praying with people, handing out brochures. We've handed out more invite cards to the church in the last few weeks than we have in the last six months. Through connecting to the community, through them getting 10 cents for their rubbish. And, and as a community, uh, church community, you're welcome to collect them, bring them in and we'll put our sticker on and we can help fund our ministry through collecting all these cans. You can you can register yourself and get the money yourself, but many are start and some of the people come and say, Oh, we're not registered yet. You have them. So we've we've received about seventy-five dollars already towards our kids money just from people donating all their bottles and cans when they see what as a church what we do. And I thought, wow, there's a harvest. People are searching for hope. And Anselon says, Thanks for doing this. Do you get anything out of it? Not directly. They say, that's amazing. Just because you we said we just care for our community. And they are touched just because we're willing to do it. So we're getting some more volunteers on so our poor old staff aren't answering the phone and, and the line up at the door of people wanting to drop <laughs> their bottles and cans off. But I thought, Lord, you you open all sorts of doors. He sends us out or he sends them to us to share some hope, some love, because we can presence Jesus wherever we go. And I will feel today God's stirring our hearts. Lift your eyes to see the harvest. Lift your eyes to see what happens when Jesus' hope reaches into people's lives, through your workplace, your neighbourhood. Last week I talked about how we are the, the seed that God's planted in the community. And how awesome is that thought that He's planted you and I in every part of our community to shine His light and His love. I want to look at uh, another story today that all again this week. I thought. This is so rich in the power of Jesus to change lives. John chapter 4. It's the story of the woman at the well. very powerful story, well-known story, but I want to have a look at it with fresh eyes today. John 4 verse 5 says, Jesus arrived at the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph long ago. Wearied by his long journey, he sat on the edge of Jacob's well. Jesus got tired, just like you and I. Sometimes when you do busy days, you get emotionally or physically tired. And they went to Jacob's Well, which was had been there for probably 2,000 years or more. They built them better those days than they do things today, hey? <laughs> you buy a computer and it's out of date within three months, or you buy a car and it lasts about four years and then you've got to replace it all. This well was 2,000 Years old, he sent his disciples into the village to buy food, for it was already afternoon. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Now you've got to know the background of this story. They were on the Jordan River, sort of divided um, Judah, Judea and Judah, which is what we know as Israel, from Samaria. Samaria is where the Samaritans lived, that makes sense. The Samaritans were a mixture of Jewish blood. And gentile blood so they were sort of people that weren't accepted fully by the jews weren't fully accepted by other gentile nations so they were like just supposed to talk to them jesus it says he deliberately went over the river and walked with his disciples through the samaritan village where it could have been a straighter road to go along through judea jesus went out of his way to connect with a lady who ended up connecting with hundreds of people with the gospel Sometimes when God stirs your heart, He will lead you on paths to connect with people that you would not normally have connected with, such as collecting rubbish. God God has ways to stir our hearts to open doors. So this is them. They're walking through and uh, they're tired. So He sends them out to get uh, some food. And the, the woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Surprise, she said, why would a Jewish man ask a Samaritan woman for a drink of water, here we see Jesus not only choosing to walk through the Samaritan uh, villages, he's now talking to a woman on his own, which was totally taboo in that culture. It was a Jew talking to a Samaritan, asking for a drink of water, and in their understanding, if you had a someone else drank, drank some water, of Samaritan drank water, then it would be contaminated, so the Jew couldn't drink out of the same cup. So Jesus faced all of these taboos of culture and went through the social barriers to reach a person who was looking for help and answers. And sometimes God will stir you to step out of our comfort zone to connect his hope and love with people around us. So Jesus replied, if you only knew who I am and wants to give you, you'd ask me for a drink and I would give you living water. Now, Jesus starts to really connect with her heart and draw her in. So he says, to give me a drink of water. Then he turns it around and says, if you knew who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink. And this lady's thinking, who on earth are you talking to me? There was no one else around. So she sort of thought, okay, we'll just see where this conversation goes. The woman replied, but sir, you don't even have a bucket and this well is very deep. It was at least 40 meters deep, this well. In 1935, they went back and discovered the well and dug it out 138 feet deep, 40 meters deep. So it was a well and now it's 4,000 years old. So they built them really well in that time, needed a bit of a clean out. And uh, so this, this is where Jesus is sitting at this well. So the people would come out to the well to get their water. So where do you find this living water? Do you really think that you are greater than our ancestor Jacob who dug this well? And drunk from it himself, along with his children and livestock. And Jesus draws her in. She's thinking, well, you can't be greater than Jacob. He was one of our ancestors. Jesus answered, if you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again and again. But if anyone drinks the living water I give them, they will never thirst again and will be forever satisfied. Wow, now he's taking her from a natural realm to a spiritual realm. And drawing her in to this conversation. And then he says, For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit, springing up and flooding you with endless life. Hallelujah. That's the water that Jesus gives our soul every day. When we come and worship, when we pray, when we read His word, when we reach out in love to one another and fellowship, there's a spring of living water that flows up inside of us. Jesus spoke in John 7 37, 38. He says, Out of your innermost being shall flow. <coughs> Sorry, when you worship God, it's like your spirit just starts to flow. I don't know about you, but there's an overflow. You don't, don't want to stop. You know, you just keep. and the more you sing the more you worship the more you respond sometimes in prayer you're connecting with the heart of Jesus and you just don't want to stop you pray in the spirit you pray in the natural sometimes when you're reaching out and caring and showing compassion and love it's like there's a source of strength and energy and creates overflowing your soul that's the river of living water flowing through you and many of you experience the power of that I want to encourage you let it keep flowing because I've learnt that if you let it flow you never run dry It's not like a well that if you pull out a lot of water, it's going to run dry. The well of living water never runs dry. It just keeps flowing. And as it flowing, it keeps your heart clean and fresh. And the amazing thing is you get refreshed and your thirst is satisfied as it's flowing through you. That's so powerful. and That's how the Holy Spirit has designed this living water that is Jesus Christ. He said it will become a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit springing up and flooding you within this life and then it flows out and touches life to others that is so so powerful that's what gets me up out of bed every morning whether I'm up for sunrise or not that's what gets me out of bed every day I think well I wonder who who we might connect with today and sometimes you have your boring mundane days but I'm always looking out for God who who have you sent me today that phone call that comes, that person you meet down the shops, and all of a sudden as you they're just serving you, you feel to ask them a question about how they're doing. And sometimes they just pour out their heart. Other times it's a mundane response, but you can see the sadness in their eyes and saying, Are you okay? Before you know it, you've got this conversation going, then you've got to line up behind you at the I used to work in a bank for years and it was dangerous because the Holy Spirit would nudge you to ask questions to people and then the lineup would just get bigger and bigger because you slow down the counting a bit so you've got an extra 30 seconds to talk to their heart. <laughs> and I used to have the most amazing conversations because there's living water coming out of your soul. It flows out of your words. It flows out of your smile. It flows out of your skills and your capacity to touch people in your shops and in your... Doctors clinics, wherever we are, as you're visiting people, it's a flow that floods you with endless life. If your flow has dried up or if just a trickle, just get reconnected. Just say, Holy Spirit, let the river flow again. Then it goes on, the woman replied, let me drink that water so I'll never be thirsty again and won't have to come back here to draw water. So she's thinking naturally, that'd be awesome. It's half a kilometer out of town in the heat of the day, carrying my buckets. It's a long way back with them full. Jesus was speaking about living water. I'd love to get some of that, she said. Jesus said, go get your husband and bring him back here. Why on earth did Jesus do that? She was having this great conversation, going to get free living water for the rest of her days, on tap, doesn't have to carry her buckets anymore. And then all of a sudden Jesus says, go and get your husband. Went to the heart of the matter. He wasn't trying to embarrass her. He was trying to reach her heart. But I'm not married, the woman answered. That's true, Jesus said, for you've been married five times and now you're living with a man who is not your husband. You have told the truth. Next minute he's moving in the spirit of revelation and word of knowledge and God's showing him what's really going on in this thirsty woman's soul who was thirsty naturally but there was a thirst in her soul for some hope. And if you've been through five marriages and, and moving into the sixth one and living with another person, there's a lot of rejection, a lot of brokenness, a lot of shame, a lot of fear. So much would have been just overwhelming her soul. She was there on her own, which probably means she had little or no friends. Because usually the women came in groups to get their water, so she was lonely. So many factors here, and Jesus is reaching out to her soul. The awkward moment where she could have run away and said, Who are you? Who are you telling me this? words and this attitude had already touched her soul and she knew someone here it wasn't just words it was life jesus said if the woman said you must be a prophet so tell me this why do our fathers worship God on this nearby mountain but your people teach that jerusalem is the place where we must worship which is right what did she do change the subject Whenever the Lord gets too close to our heart, we change the subject. Oh, look at the mountain over here. Is that where we should be worshipping? What's that got to do with this conversation? God was reaching her heart. There was something drawing her, but it was getting too close to home, too, too close to, hey, there's some things you need to sort out in your life. Points to the nearby mountain you could see in the distance and starts talking about whether we should worship on that mountain or not. Who's ever changed the subject when the truth's got a little bit too close to home? Some men, they just tell jokes. They tell jokes all the time, even corny dad jokes, which are terrible, but often they're trying to avoid true emotion or issues that are going on in their soul. Others of us just change the subject because we don't want to go there. No nudging one another right now. And that's what you do all the time. (laughs) We are all guilty of it sometimes. So what did Jesus do? He could have said, no, let's get back on the subject. No, he allowed the diversion. He taught her amazing truth and then brought her back. Wow, this is a really skillful communication, listening to a heart. And so, believe me, dear woman, the time has come, verse 21, when you won't worship the Father on a mountain nor in Jerusalem, but in your heart. Here he is going to the heart of the matter. Your people don't really know the one they worship. They're thinking about the words. Or we're praying, but we're thinking about our needs, but not really thinking about how awesome is the Lord that we're praying to. He says, you don't really know who you are. We Jews worship out of our experience, for it's from the Jews that salvation is made available. From here on, worshipping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with the right heart. Wow, I love this church because a whole lot of people here know how to worship with their heart. We know how to do life from our heart, not just our head. For God is a spirit and he loves, he longs to have sincere worshipers who worship and adore him in the realm of the spirit and in truth. The woman said, this is all so confusing. I love this conversation. But I do know that the anointed one is coming, the true Messiah. Wow. Wow. I thought it was only the jews were looking at it. but the samaritans were jewish background and gentile background and they were looking for someone a messiah to come they understood that so she goes there and when he comes he will go the anointed one is here speaking with you i am the one you're looking for wow he reveals himself as the messiah as the savior to a Samaritan woman, and this was one of the first women recording the Bible, people in the Bible that he re- declared who he really was. The Jews didn't want to hear it because they would already put him in a box and said, you can't be the Messiah. So he spoke to a Samaritan lady who was searching for answers, and she's just thinking, what? Who are you? Jesus will reveal himself to anyone who's searching for truth. It says anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Whether they do it the light, right religious way we think they should. God hears the cry of people's hearts. And right now across this city there's hundreds, maybe thousands of people crying out for answers saying, Can someone give me hope? Can someone show me how to get rid of this addiction from this anger? Can someone help bring some living water to a thirsty soul that all the entertainment in this world is never satisfying? And there's people crying out right now in their homes all over this place. And we have the living water. We have it in our hearts and our souls. As a church together, we have living water, the name of Jesus, the Savior of the world. And it wants to flow out of our hearts. Jesus went out of his way to connect to a woman who had no right to listen to him or to receive the revelation that he was the Messiah, apart from that she was a human being that Jesus died for, that God had created in his image, but marred by sin. And so we have this revelation. At that moment, oh, you crazy disciples, You've just messed up this revelation moment where she's just discovering that Jesus is the saviour of the world. And the disciples come back. You ever had that? You're just at this crucial point of conversation. Then one of the kids or the phone rings on. You think, oh, we've just lost that special moment we just had. Well, Jesus isn't put off by some hungry disciples. At that moment, the disciples returned and were stunned to see Jesus speaking with the Samaritan woman. Yet none of them dared to ask him why or what they were discussing. Peter had already learned it's dangerous to open your mouth when you haven't engaged your mind yet. Or to say something when you've got no idea what Jesus is up to on the spirit or heart realm. So they just thought, Jesus, what are you doing? We're in Samaria. We shouldn't even be here. And now you're talking to this lady and they could tell something d was going on, but they just had, didn't have a clue, just like us sometimes. All at once, the woman dropped her water jar and ran off to a village and told everyone, come and meet a man in, at the well who told me everything I've ever done. He could be the anointed one we've been waiting for. Wow. So even though it looks like Jesus and his conversation has been interrupted by the disciples coming back, He'd already shared enough that touched her soul, exposed her sin but didn't cause to be ashamed but gave her hope that she didn't have to stay in her sin and she could be transformed. Wow, that is what the Holy Spirit does. That's what Jesus does through your life and mine. We think if we say too much, it'll push them away. No, sometimes we just got to press through the next barrier. Obviously, there's a lot of people searching and we play it too safe sometimes because we don't want to offend or uh, upset people when sometimes, hey, Jesus just went to the heart through all those barriers. It doesn't mean you become awkward or weird, but sometimes we just don't press enough to the heart of the matter. To release the living water and the truth. And Jesus went there. And so we see this woman, she came to get water. She dropped the thing, didn't even take water back with her. Something that so touched her heart, she forgot what she was even doing. I've seen that. I've been in meetings where the power of God comes and people just forget what they were there for or doing because now they're on another agenda of transformation of their soul. Hallelujah. Let that flow. And so she runs back, tells him that he could be the anointing. Hearing this, verse 30, the people came streaming out of the village to go see Jesus. Wow. She could have ran and head, but no, she said, this man has got something of life that I've never, ever, ever got close to. She felt pure love, not manipulated love that she'd been looking for in all of her relationships. When that flows through your heart, people just can't resist it. Just can't resist it. Then the disciples began to insist that Jesus eat some of the food they brought back from the village. They come back with their macas or their pizzas, whatever, and they said, teacher, you must eat something. We've been walking all day and you've been out in the hot sun talking to this lady about who knows what. Come and eat something. But Jesus told them, don't worry about me, I've eaten a meal you don't know about. Puzzled by this, the disciples began to discuss among themselves, did someone already bring him food? Where did he get this meal? Did one of you guys run ahead and bring his secret supply and got here early? They're trying to work this out. Their heads are really spinning by this time. They're thinking, we don't understand the the, the well, the the lady speaking. Now he's talking about food he got from somewhere. Is, Is this manna dropping from heaven like it did with the people of Israel? They're just trying to get their head around this. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and bring it to completion. Wow, there's a spiritual fulfillment when you, God uses you to touch people's hearts, to pray a prayer of faith, to lead them to Christ, to show them kindness and grace when all they've ever received is fear and shame and rejection, which is what she would have received. As the crowds emerged from the village, Jesus said to his disciples. Why would you say the harvest is another four months away? He would have been pointing at the fields of barley grain that were probably just starting to form heads he said, another four months before we're ready to harvest. Then he says, Look at all the people coming. He points down the track and here's hundreds of people coming out of the village heading for them. The disciples thinking, now what's happening? We've got a riot on our hands. What's Jesus stirred up? This is not a safe place. Let's get out of here. Too late. They're all coming. Look at all the people coming, now it's harvest time. For their hearts are like vast fields of ripened grain ready for a spiritual harvest. Wow, wow, Jesus looking at the heart. The guys are still looking at the grain beside him and the food he won't eat. They're just really spinning out. And everyone who reaps these souls for eternal life will receive a reward. God's called all of us to be living water to the around us. And sometimes there is a sacrifice. Sometimes you're walking in the heat of the day. Sometimes you're amongst a crowd of people who aren't really sympathetic to your Christian faith. Sometimes things have been offences and rejections and stuff goes on. Sometimes there's a sacrifice to serve Jesus. Tim and Lydia are heading off to Brisbane, leaving all their friends here because God's called them to go. And we're prepared to release them and not see them or the grandkids as often. It's not a sacrifice that's consuming. It's a challenge that we walk through with grace. We've done the same. We've moved several times in our earlier stage of ministry. And some of the relative friends saying, what are you doing? This doesn't add up. But God leads us by His Spirit. He flows through us. And it says there's reward. There's great reward in leading people to Christ. It's great reward in bringing hope to someone who's slipping away or needs encouragement. That's great rewarding in planting a seed that 10 years later brings a harvest. Great reward. Then it goes on and says, "And those, those who reap the harvest will celebrate together with great joy. Oh, I just love I just love seeing people come to Christ." One of the new ladies in transformations, the first service came to Jesus. Do you know what her name was? Grace. And as she walked down, I said, what's your name? She said, Grace. My heart just melted. I said, you're experiencing the grace of Jesus for the first time over your life. And I said, every time someone uses your name, it's just going to get richer and deeper of God's grace. That's what gets me out of bed every time. That's why I can't wait to get to church on Sundays. That's why I just love people because you never know when the next step is going to happen in people's lives. And that's just not for pastors. That's for all of us as we sow. And it says, and this confirms the saying one sows the seed, another reaps the harvest. I have sent you out to the harvest, a field that you haven't planted, where many others have labored long and hard before you. And now you're privileged to profit from their labors and reap the harvest. So there were many from the Samaritan village who became believers in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. She could have run and hid because her life of sin had been exposed. But it came with such love and grace and hope that it actually opened the door to unlock her from the place of the prison of rejection and shame. She was in sin and it opened the door for her to find freedom and now she could look back and say, that's what I used to be and now I am free in Jesus' name. Oh, let's never forget the power of that. Let's never forget where we've come from. Let's never forget how Jesus has changed our life and there's thousands around us just wanting to hear and experience the living water that touched your soul and waters us and gives us grace when we walk through the normal human challenges of life. Oh, Jesus. And it says, He told me everything I ever did. Then they begged Jesus to stay with them, so he stayed there for two days. The disciples so was thinking, what are we doing in the Samaritan territory? We shouldn't even be here. Now you want to stay for two days? Where are we going to sleep, Jesus? And what food are you going to eat in their village? Jesus is probably in the guest room. They're probably in the tent out on the edge of town because they're just probably still sorting out. We're not mixing with those guys. <laughs> I like reading these stories and adding what might have really happened. It <laughs> goes on and says, He stayed there for two days, resulting in many more coming to faith in Him because of His teachings. Then the Samaritan said to the woman, Samaritan said to the woman, I believe just because of what you told us, but now we've heard him ourselves and are convinced that he really is the true saviour of the world. Hey, let's share this living water with people. But I encourage you to have an invitation culture where you invite people to come into church, where they'll experience singing from the heart, They will feel his unconditional love. They'll hear messages like this that are a bridge of hope to their soul. They'll feel love and acceptance that maybe they haven't felt for a long time in their family or their community. I want to encourage you, let's increase the invitation culture and the welcome culture of our church. Invite some people for next Saturday or Sunday night so that they can come and connect to the fun of families and relationships and the true message of Christmas otherwise we're holding this living water inside of us instead of letting it flow I just feel the spirit of God tugging at our hearts just one more scripture as the worship team come it's interesting to note in, in the word saviour in Aramaic actually means life giver saviour healer prince of peace restorer of hope of dreams Last verses, I just want to read. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Are you weary carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me and I will refresh your life for I am your oasis. Wow, I'm your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my way that I'm gentle, humble, easy to please. You'll find refreshment and rest in me. For all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. Are you burdened? We all have burdens come on our souls, our minds, our bodies. We live in a fallen world. The pastor Peter reminded us today that every good thing comes from God. The devil will get you offended at God and thinking he sent bad stuff to you. No, that's God. And it's interesting to think, see, it says, Are you weary carrying heavy burden? Then come to me. Many times in Scripture, Jesus said, Follow me and I'll make you Carry your cross. Follow me. Here, he actually says, "Don't just follow me, but come to me and be refreshed, and filled, and over in your soul." Heavy burdens are probably the religious laws that were put on them. Today, let's come to Jesus and let's drink. Let's stand in His presence before we finish our service. Let's just take a moment to respond to the call of Jesus to drink of his living water. I'd love to sing this beautiful, just this last part of this song, and I want you just for a moment to thank him that he's your saviour. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.